Hey, it's your boy Lauren here. Welcome to Get Biz, Do Biz, Get Pay. Today, I have a very special someone. His name is Edward Boca. He's a marketing genius, a business builder, an analyst, data aggregator, a CRM specialist. I the, the man just does so many things. I don't even know what to call him anymore. Oh, he's he's the brand. Uh, he's a you you do brand too, right? I I mean I just don't know where to start with this guy. So, but uh, today we're gonna talk about Eddie and uh, how 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 he relate marketing to business. How important marketing is to business, and um, and uh, it's your show, Eddie. So tell tell the listener a little bit something that they don't know about you. Wow. First of all, that was a killer intro. So I appreciate that, brother. Great, uh, great introduction. 100%. Uh, I think you've covered it all. Uh, if there's something that people don't know about me or maybe is uh, is a little bit less known is I actually worked in construction for 70 cents an hour in Romania back in 2000. And what was this? 2003. So <laughs> I'm that old. You you say seven cents, brother? 70, okay. 70 cents. 70 cents. Can can you say that a little louder for the listener? <laughs> 70 cents. 70 cents. Yeah. 70 cents. Jeez, I think that uh, the average hourly wage for wages for labor right now is with all the labor burden and uh the tax and all that stuff's like 50, 60 bucks an hour, man. Sad. Yeah. Oh my goodness! So, so is that is that why you know you have so much passion about helping contractors and construction trade in general to uh, to have a better life for 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 themselves? Yeah, definitely. I think it's it's definitely a piece of it, right? So I know how hard it was to work. Obviously, I don't want any contractors nowadays to be in the field themselves unless they really want to, right? Because you have the really passionate craftsman that, you know, doesn't want to do sales and that's fine too, right? Uh, I mean, there are, for example, very successful businesses where the CEO is not the business owner, right? It's just a matter of perspective. Like you don't really need to do anything that you are not really passionate about or you shouldn't really do it because then you're going to wish that you're dead. But uh, yeah, it's definitely a piece of it, right? I uh, I was born and raised in a very poor country, right? And it was actually a communist country till uh, 1989, right? When we shot our dictator on Christmas Eve. So <laughs> there goes the party. Uh, Happy anniversary, right? <laughs> Happy anniversary. Woo, yes, we're free of communism for sure. Uh yeah, and that was um, those were some very trying and interesting times, right? And my family could not afford a computer, right? It was very expensive. I think a second-hand Pentium Pentium Two PC, which was like this thing, was like five hundred euros, which was about you know six hundred, seven hundred dollars back then. That was a lot of money that my parents could not afford. So basically, that's why I ended up working in instruction for a little bit more than a year. To save up money and buy myself a computer. So that was basically the biggest driver of them all. So uh, 
so when you say you have to save up to get a computer, was computer always your passion? Uh, what was it? Un- unpack for me a little bit there. Yeah, so uh, I don't know how, but my, my father had some connections. And back when I was eight for Christmas, they actually bought us a, bought me and my brother, right? I have an older brother uh, who's in Canada actually right now. Um, he he bought me like this, this computer, which was a ripoff from the Commodore 64, right? Because we didn't, we couldn't afford to buy a Commodore 64. So there was actually a company in Timisoara in the city that, I'm from, and they basically replicated how the Commodore 64 computer was working. And I was hooked, right? At eight years of age, I got one of those. It was still, you know, like you could load programs from from a cassette tape, like really, really old school stuff, but I was hooked. Uh, It has like, it had like this transistor on it that was getting overheated. And whenever it was getting heated, then the whole computer would turn off. So then I like put fans on it and it, it was insane, but I was hooked. So I was hooked at, at a very early age on trying to make computers do stuff that I found it fascinating, right? To, to get the computer to do something, uh, like to teach it something and then have it do something like that blew my mind, right? It was really, I could give it some instructions and it would print something out on the screen like i don't know you know like we, we kind of take this thing now for granted but way back then it was really mind-blowing at least for me yeah uh, way back then i think it was uh one and oh right one and oh and you had to put this little little card in and program it so really uh you know the, the programmer was uh will be coming big back in the day right and then uh and then the rise of Bill Gates and Steve Jobs and all of those uh, are from uh, all the innovator is because of damn computer. They they probably were fascinated. Like I don't even know how the shit worked, bro. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so 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 you mentioned that you uh, grew up in a communist country. I mean, what 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 do you think that? Uh, that's the most positive coming out of that. Like we, we all heard about the negative. I want you to tell, talk about how those experience impact you positively now. Well, I think even though I didn't see it back then, it was all this hardship that we were going through. Like uh, you didn't have all this stuff that you have nowadays, you know, don't hurt your child and don't do this and don't do that. Like, that stuff wasn't a thing back then, right? Like you did something wrong, you would get your ass beat to a pulp. Uh, wrong, whatever, wrong in our parents' and our grandparents' minds, right? So it wasn't like, times were different, right? Times were hard. And I think uh, there's that saying, right? That hard times create strong men and uh, easy times create weak men. So I think we're in this transition where we're kind of having it easy and there are some really good times happening right now, but I think there's a lot of room for men to actually step into their power and be men. Like overall, like men have become more feminine and I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, but at the same time, you know, that's why people like Andrew Tate or these uh, red pill communities have risen up so, so badly because men have this intrinsic desire and want to prove themselves and you know and provide for their families and to take care and protect 
uh, our better halves and so on and so forth. So that's why I kind of think that nowadays, you know, agenda that's being pushed, especially in the US, uh, is wrong and it's hurting young entrepreneurs and young men overall. So I think that's that's been the biggest thing, right? Like really hard times. And I think uh, I didn't think whatever I was doing that it wasn't hard. Anything was easier than living under communism. So <laughs> that's uh, I guess that's a that's a plus, right? Yeah, so I guess that uh, I would call that uh, a competitive advantages for you. It depends on how you look at things, right? Uh, for me, from what I heard, it seems like, uh, you know, living in, under those uh, circumstances make you appreciate, like, the opportunity that you have right now uh, to impact a lot of people. And then if you didn't take full advantages of it, it will be a waste for what you went through in the past. Am I, am I correct on that, or am I speaking out my ass here? I mean... You grew up partly in Vietnam as well, right? So yep. your country wasn't very far off from Romania. So, right, it's we're kind of, obviously Vietnam is a little bit more populated, but in the same time, you've been through that hardship that I talk about, right? So maybe inadvertently you understand it, right? I think it's very difficult for someone that hasn't experienced this to, to understand and vibe with it. That's why, so for example, we have a lot of clients. Right. And overall, we can see that, you know, like we have the the Spanish speaking community and the Spanish guys are more driven. Right. Just be they're more hungry. They they actually come from a place where they understand what hardship means. And then they hustle a little bit harder. They work a little bit more. They do things that are a little bit outside of the normal comfort zone for, for other people. Right. So I think like the U.S. is definitely the land of opportunity. Right. So I, I truly believe that uh, I think a lot of people are not really taking advantage of that. And I think they are just going with uh, with this agenda that's being pushed, you know, like, oh, you know, just settle, just settle for what you have, just settle for mediocre, settle for average. Like, why do hard? Why do harder? Why try harder? You know, all of these things. So I think that's that's something that's being pushed. So hopefully that that was a little bit more of a long, wide answer, but hopefully it answers your question. Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, I, I I feel the same way. But uh, then again, you know, um, if you got to uh, own a business uh, to the other side of being responsible for other people being, then uh, at that point, you know, people, I think, is more understanding of uh, of what they need to do. So I I, I believe that most people do the best they could with the experiences and the lessons that they have uh is uh is even i deal with the same stuff right am i doing enough should i do more am i being wasteful of my opportunity to to uh to impact people lives uh, families or you know this is uh or on the other side uh, you know, I've been doing too much. Maybe I should scale back a little bit. You know, so for those uh, that listening, who maybe didn't grow up in a tough environment, maybe they they had a good good family, 
good suburban life growing up and now you know they found their passion get into business and and maybe they did not deal with those frustration early on and now it's become a little bit more emotional for them how how do you advise these guys that want to do better want to be better but they can't seem to get over the hump like maybe because of their past experience or how they were raised or their community but uh but from now that i am kind of a figure of authority i see it a lot in people that people don't believe in themselves like i believe in them or like you believe in them how do you guess those those these folks flip the switch to where they can utilize what inside of them and be more for their family and their communities that's that's a great question right so by default i think there's nothing wrong with with us right with humans there's nothing wrong with anyone so i think it just comes down to to what are you willing to do right because at the end of the day we all have the same opportunities and we all have the same 24 hours in the day and here's even the the bigger secret of this like deep inside you already know what you should be doing deep inside you already know what you have to do right so sometimes you just have to listen to that voice you know so it's just just a matter of of listening to your own advice you know like you already know that watching netflix all day is not a great idea you already know that being on social media is not the best option for you and you should be working on those standard operating procedures or whatever writing and doing the boring stuff and the stuff that you know just nobody really wants to do right but if you don't do it right what was that saying that if you uh if you don't plan you plan to fail right so it's everybody knows that they need to plan like it's it's a given right we all know the importance of planning and and creating creating a chart and charting the course, right? So you just don't start the GPS toward random location. You set a destination and then you follow that path. That's basically business and that's life really, right? But the thing is that everybody just starts the GPS and lets it on autopilot, right? Nobody really takes the time, like very few people take the time to plan out, okay, where are we going? And once we get there, what are we going to do? Right. So I actually had this thing happen with with my wife recently. We went to to Barcelona in Spain. Right. And she literally planned three activities, but we were there for a week. Right. So we we were for a week and she she prepared three, three things like visiting Gaudi's house and going to Sagrada Familia. And I don't know, another activity like a, a, a tour thing, a guided tour thing. And I was like, okay, cool. That's three days out of seven. What are we doing? here like realistically like we are in this new place we're in this new location you haven't planned for what we're going to be doing here and we're here so now what <laughs> so it created a huge frustration and and we actually what we ended up doing right after the first day we just went back to the hotel room and we got the bloody excel sheet and plotted down all of the days what we're going every day at we looked for the restaurants based on reviews and we planned basically the whole vacation out from a hotel room in bloody Barcelona, right? Instead of doing that at home. 
but how much better so we, we kind of lost like two days out of the whole thing just by planning because we weren't able to finish the whole planning in in one evening right so we literally lost two days of our seven day trip to Barcelona because there was no plan of okay like we have these rough guidelines of what we're going to be doing here but you know for the rest YOLO like okay cool what do we do so I think that's the same thing. And it's been a huge lesson for my wife, right? It's been like now she's like, we're planning to go to, to Lapland, to, to Santa's village in February. Like shit is planned. Like it's all solid. Like we know every day what we're going to be doing. One day with the reindeers, one day with the huskies, one day with the Santa, one day with, I don't know what, snow barbecue crap. Like it's all planned out, right? So it's beautiful. Right. We don't have to get there in Finland and then like, okay, what are we doing here? The same thing for business, right? It's exactly the same thing. If you don't plan it out, like, and it's very simple, like you just take, okay, what's your revenue call for 2024? And then you break it down to quarters and then you break it down to months and you execute. Like, I wish it was more complicated than this. It's not like it really isn't, but it's hard to plan. So I, I totally feel you. Right? I feel for the audience. It's definitely to sit down with your thoughts and plan that course of action for 2024 is, uh, is terrible. That's why New, Year, New Year's resolutions fail, right? Everybody has this huge list of things to do in the new year. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But they're all like huge tasks. They're not broken into chunks so you can actually succeed right that's why the gyms are full in january and then they're empty again in february everybody wants to go to the gym everybody wants a great body and all of that good stuff but nobody's willing to okay like i want in one year right even like this goes into another thing like setting realistic time frames for your goals like you are not going to get a six-pack after a month like let's be serious right but maybe in a year, you will get your, I don't know, body fat percentage down by 10% if it's somewhere at 20 plus. Doable, right? So then, okay, 10% body fat down and replace that body fat with muscle. Great. Now you have a plan. 10% down until the end of the year, right? Which will lead you to a six pack eventually, right? And then you take, okay, that means, you know, I have to shed around 0.8% body fat percentage every month totally doable. What do I need in order for, for me to get that? Better nutrition, better sleep, more workout. Beautiful. Now it's also tangible. So now if you execute on that plan, month by month, day after day, you are going to achieve your goal, right? But people set the goal, I want a six pack in, in January, right? New Year's resolution, I want a six pack. After one month, hey, I didn't have my six pack. I give up now. That's the same thing with contractors, what we see, right? They have these huge audacious goals. I want to make, you know, $5 million, but in the past year, they did 300,000. That's a huge jump. Like I can take your marketing there. Sure, spend with us, you know, 300, 400, $500,000. And not only with us, I'm just, obviously it's gonna, most of the money is gonna go to Google and Facebook, right? for the ads uh, to actually be able to have that uh, ridiculous amount of spend and to ramp up things so quickly. But when you tell them, well, you know, it actually is going to cost you, you know, 300,000, 400,000 to get to that five mil, 
they start balking like, oh my God, like I didn't think that was a thing, right? Yeah, but you wanted to jump to five mil. I was actually called a scammer uh, by a guy once because I told him that, you know, I can get him there, but basically this is kind of the cost that he's looking at to get to five mil. And he said, oh, you're a scammer. You're a... Okay, cool, bro. Like, sure. I know this, right? I've done this a lot of times over and over again, and I've helped clients reach their million dollar goals, but they did their part as well, right? So that's that. That's it. It's basically create the plan, break the plan into pieces, follow the plan. I wish it was more complicated, but it's not. And like people already know what they need to do. Yeah. So uh, you, you brought it uh, up an interesting point. Um... You know, I never thought uh, in in that sense. I am uh, I am kind of a planner, but I'm not good at planning. But uh, it's 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 the act of verbalize it and draw it down somewhere. Am I correct? Right. Yeah. It, then 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 it's become a possibility. Then if you go out and do the action towards that plan, then it's become a probability. And then if you follow the plan through, then it's become real. And uh, it's, it's just so amazing. You, you've been with me for a while. You, you've seen, you know, we, 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 we say it. Hey, this year is going to be a three. This year is going to be a five. And, uh, and it's, uh, it's crazy that I tell people that all the time. Hey, uh, especially in construction where you control pricing, right? You can manufacture revenue out in there and, and and this this is crazy for the listener but listen to me when i say this and and eddie you, you can verify this you can manufacture revenue out in there why because of google facebook online digital marketing and offline marketing so talk to me about uh you know how like when a client comes to you with a goal, say like they did $5 million this year and they want to double, what are some of your quick strategy that generate quick wins uh, for, for these guys to, to get them a kind of like, you know, a blast off into the new year? I mean, I'm asking for me, but, you know. <laughs> yes, <laughs> for sure. So I, I think... Especially for you, I think your marketing is definitely in a different place. No, my friend, my friend, I'm, I'm, I'm listening. I'm, I'm listening for my friend. Okay. Gotcha. So, <laughs> so your friend is, uh, what's his revenue goal for 2023, and what's the goal for 2024? So right now he is debating between eight and ten, but let's just set it at ten. You know. Uh, yeah. So that's that's not necessarily normal, right? So already at ten million dollars, that's quite a medium to to big contracting business by by the standards that uh, that we have our clients at so in order for you to already be at five mil you already have to have some things in place right so taking that kind of from scratch i think is is an understatement because you're not starting from scratch and there are no quick wins already at five mil sure there's always some things that i can do or we can do as a team, but we definitely need to see, okay, what are the assets that the business has, right, when they come to us? So there are a few things, like I can take you through the whole process basically on how we assess uh, a business, right, uh, and see if 
if we can find some opportunities for them, right? So first off, we always start out by looking at what they're currently doing, if they're doing anything at all, right? So usually what we find is some sort of an agency that, that's behind the company and most of the time they're doing nothing because the contractor doesn't know how to read the information, doesn't know how to read the data, and you can basically report on anything and call it a day. So, I mean, the first thing is, is to actually see if the agency is doing a great job or not, right? Uh, if they're doing a good job, then we can just advise them, hey, you know, continue doing this. This is the long game. They're already doing a great job. Continue with them unless they have some sort of uh, an emotional connection or disconnection from that agency and only then we take uh, them on. Otherwise, if they're already doing a great job, we just advise to, to stick with their current agency. It's that simple, right? If they're already winning, if they're already having results, then uh, why not continue, right, with that agency? But usually, you know, when people come to us, they obviously, they have a problem, right? It's either a trust with their current agency or, you know, they know that there's some more stuff that they can do and they're not doing. So in, in terms of order of importance, we, we have the following. So the most important piece of all is location. So although, you know, uh, we can scoop it off because it's kind of a given, the thing is that a contractor has a very location-specific marketing that needs to happen, right? So location is super important. Like, uh, this is basically, this comes down to the debate between SEO and local SEO, right? So basically, SEO is national. So if I'm creating an article, let's say, how do I change out my kitchen closet? that's going to be picked up nationally. So there's nobody stopping from New York checking out my website in Nebraska. Really, there's no stopping behind that unless you really want to geo-block all of the states besides your state, which would be ridiculous by all means anyway, right? So that's the SEO. And then you've got the local SEO, which is very targeted and location-specific, right? So one of the pieces that we, we want to have is a strong local present presence, right? Local presence, local authority, uh, showcase that you're a local expert and that you have the expertise and that you have the know-how and you are serving that community locally. Those cities, those neighborhoods, those places, right? You are in it and you are the guy to go to for those services. Which brings me to the second piece, right? So location, defining the locations that you want to serve and how you want to serve them, super important. Next one is services. Like we have a lot of contractors that uh, I was actually talking to, uh, to, our, to a client the other day and he was saying how grateful he is that we cut down from all of the services that they were doing. They were doing roofing, they were doing remodeling, they were doing like siding, exterior, interior, like they were doing it all. And funny enough, we... Uh, we funneled it down and we figured out that basically with remodeling, they're making the most amount of money in their business. And that makes the most amount of sense. It's the most repeatable process for them to do inside their own company. And even more, we were able to define that from all of the remodeling services, basically basement remodeling is the one that we can get them to really win. Mm. Because nobody was really doing basement remodeling in, in the space and they're like killing it. They're like dominating all of the basement remodeling ecosystem. So instead of being average at all of these services, be good at one thing, right? Like that's why 
even that's why we were able to make it work so well for you, right? It's not that you didn't come to me and, you know, let's do decks and let's do siding because obviously it's also carpentry and let's do also, you know, little kid playgrounds because we're also using wood. So while we're at it, why not, you know, build this, you know, this other thing that we can also do like now, like, okay, decks, deck building, you know, deck replacement, deck repair, the end. Sure, once you hit a specific target and now you've, completely dominated the market, you can go into other services, but not the other way around, right? So it's easier to, to make things happen once you have the cash flow and you have the money. So you should always prioritize making more money in the business first, instead of getting creative and doing all the services. Because uh, we had the other opposite stuff as well, right? Where we kind of went on the contractor's board. Well, you know, like, I think I want to do this as well. And then we started rolling out the strategy and doing that rolling out the strategy and then, well, but I actually want to push this service too. So, okay, now we change the focus from that service to that service. And now we started rolling out that one. Well, that isn't picking up. So let's do this other service, right? So, and that was our fault that we kind of let it happen, right? But normally now we actually have it in the contract. Let's stick to it. Like you can't, if you want to switch it, it's on you. The responsibility to switch the uh, the niche is completely up on you, the services that you want to provide. But we will not stop until you are profitable and you're making money, right? So I think this is a big piece of marketing. You should continue doing marketing until it provides an ROI for you. It's that simple. And when it's providing an ROI, you should basically double down and make more. So that's, that's the math. So this would be the rollout, right? Location super important, and then the services. And this is what people kind of discount uh, discount most of the time. Like the two biggest factors, they just bypass them and they start getting creative with the, with the Facebook ads and whatever ads there are. And then they wonder why isn't it working? Well, that's why, because you're basically spread too thin and you're focusing on too many things at the same time. And it's, it's just, it creates a nightmare. Like these guys that were doing roofing and remodeling and all of these things, like it was literally a blessing for them. And now they're, I think they came to us at 1.8 or something like that. And we took them this year to 2.9 with less services. They were able to get rid of uh, a commitment that they had to, I think, Habitats of, for Humanity or something like that. They had these super solid contracts in place with them and a lot of money, but because it was still on all of the services, the other services besides basement remodeling, they didn't want to do it anymore, right? So they had the luxury to even say no to those people. And they still made 1.1 or 1.2 mil more in the year. So yeah, that's, that's kind of what I would be looking at. And then in terms of actually tech stack or whatever you need to, to roll out right on, on the things themselves, 100% first things first should be your Google business profile. Be that at 100%, completely fine-tuned. It's free. Like there's literally no reason not to get a Google business profile or to claim yours if you haven't claimed it already and get a constant trickle of reviews on your Google business profile to, to create trust in the marketplace. I think that's, that's like the one of the foundational pieces. And then if you want to rank better, obviously you should have a great website because that helps with both local and SEO, uh, right? Great loads, load times, having a SEO friendly website, 
having all these things like it's super foundational it's literally 60 percent of the seo rankings and i think around 30 percent of the local seo ranking the website and the signals that the website sends uh, of your presence in the industry and then you know you stack on that you just continue stacking marketing channels i usually recommend going with google ads because you get better leads right it's just the lead is warmer uh but i wouldn't discount either facebook ads it really depends on the service that you're providing on the location on the competition a lot of things because you may end up may end up not being able to bid for google ads right if mm. your lead is like two thousand bucks okay that's a little bit expensive right you could probably get way more leads for two thousand dollars from facebook ads right and then it's just a matter of nurturing those leads more right because it's just the difference between cold and warm traffic so but that yeah. that would be kind of a, a tech stack how you how you lay things on top of one another yeah obviously so, uh, and and branding right obviously yeah. uh, branding is definitely one of those pieces where that continues you should continuously feed the brand machine right so basically just bringing awareness in the space and in the industry so that's that's a given i haven't touched on it but there's particular things that we do in terms of brand as well that we can capture back clicks that otherwise your competitors would be getting on on the brand terms that that you have right so uh hopefully that's that answers a little bit the obviously this is marketing 101 right so it's there's a lot to unpack but if you have your locations on point services that you provide on point have a good google business profile have uh, a great website that's seo friendly and all that good stuff and sends authority signals to google and obviously builds trust with your clients on the front end you've kind of already have a good strong foundation and you just build from there right you add on top of that seo local seo ads whatever you need to do landing pages and all that good stuff so uh i i found a really important nugget when you say uh, that uh reducing the service right uh to what you're really good at and uh, where your net profit is the highest to where you make the most money and spend the marketing dollars on pumping those service up and slowly phasing out all the other one all the other shit that don't make you money right and i think that move alone and if you are anything under 10 million and you have multiple service it's worth looking into and sometimes you know uh your, your marketing dollar may be spread all evenly on all the three four service that you do uh, for example it could be you make a lot of money on siding, but uh, your marketing money is actually uh, almost break even with the roof or, or because it may be an insurance game or a retail game, whatever, uh, or your your um, or your decks uh, are making uh, less money than the siding. And then all your marketing is is spread evenly on roof, siding and deck which is, to me is kind of horrendous because if i make money over here why wouldn't we get more job from that same uh same uh, uh category uh so basically 
my my philosophy is kind of aligned with uh what you talk about is uh focus on one because because marketing is and sales is just the first thing right there's the operation there's this collection there's all the other shit that come in after it and so now if you're trying to do one two three things and bid on one two three things and then it's just triple the training triple the Triple this, uh, the, the sales, sales guy attention span, triple the production guy skill. Uh, it's just triples everything and all that for maybe the same amount of business that maybe a specialty that guy or fence guy can do. Right. Uh, for me right now, it's the process is pretty easy for me. Guys know what to do. You know, production is kind of, you know, I haven't visit a job site in almost a year, you know. Uh, so uh, so that's the benefit of uh, having a single tray and optimize everything to deliver the product with speeds, right? Um, but uh, the... A little bit to this, because, you know, it kind of sounds like a cookie cutter uh, advice that I don't really want to it to come across as a cookie cutter advice. So going back to uh locations right so why is location important location is important because of the population that lives in that location so there's a distinction between how you market to rural areas versus how you market to urban areas right so for example if you are in a location where you've got 20,000 people for a five mile or 10 mile radius obviously you are going to make a different kind of money versus if you're in a location that has 1 million people spread on a 10 mile radius it's just a whole different proposition, right? So being in a little city in, I don't know, Ohio versus, uh, you know, Phoenix or whatever in Arizona, right? I'm just giving two examples of Denver, Colorado, right? I mean, huge difference, right? On on where you can actually niche down or not, right? So for example, in rural areas, like the constraint of the system, one of the constraints of the system is population. Right. So, for example, if you've got 20,000 people, there are just that many people that want the deck done, for example. Right. But it's more likely that all people know themselves, right, in a rural setting and they get to know you faster. So, uh, that is actually the, the only case where I would recommend to actually not niche down, but actually niche up to make more money. Right. So, now you can offer as well siding or something that's complementary to the service that you're already offering, just to basically capture more of that population and more of the market. You will rank way faster and you will get uh, known way faster in a rural area, but you will always struggle with the population thing, with the population, right? Just as a variable. So, then you kind of expand and you make more money by expanding into other services. So, just a little bit of a of an intermission, right? So it's not all about niching down. Sometimes you actually need to niche up and then find, you know, create the ecosystem for people to know you and be able to sell. Obviously, one of the biggest recommendations, especially if you're competing in a rural area and you want to make millions is to kind of get out of the rural area. So either you get super, super good at relationships and networking and you do all the services and then you can make your millions, no problem or you move to a more populated area and you learn how to compete and then you can niche down and it's it's more productive. So you kind of it's kind of a choose your own adventure kind of game. It's going to be easier to rank in a uh, in a low population area, right? You will 
get people to know you faster, but there just won't be enough searches or there won't be enough people looking for only one service, right? And usually, you know, especially in these rural areas, the income per household is going to be smaller than in higher uh, urban areas. So just something to take in, into consideration because I really hate cookie cutters, you know, solutions and answers. So I think this kind of gives a little bit more context to, to kind of why location is so important, right? Like why location is number one when it comes to marketing, right. and when it comes to, to talking about your business and who are you talking to, really. Right. So uh, for the listener, to add a little bit more nuance on this advice, uh, the advice doesn't stop at niching down. It's actually, that's just the first part of like, growing a sustainable business. But if you are in a rural area and there's only 20,000 people and you want to make money, there ain't no way. I want to I want to add it kind of sugarcoat it, but I want to tell you it's going to be super hard to learn all the trade, do all the sales, and performing each and every single individual task where you can move an hour, an hour and a half away to a city with three, 400,000 people that you can attack, right? Uh, and if we are talking about safely about get biz, do biz and get pay, then you know you need to go get biz at where a lot of people need the biz. Uh, it's just, uh, and you, you're right, geographically, that's why people move to New York, to LA, to big cities, because they want opportunity and they want a different environment with new people and new services, new way of thinking, uh, to be able to force in that dream that they had. Right. And going back to the, the niche down, my theory is you don't stop there, right? You niche down, you perfected it. And there's two ways you can grow, uh, the company. Number one is you can geographically grow it, right? You can add cities, uh, expanding your, your area of, uh, influence, or you can add services now that you master one. So now you master the pond, let's go to the river, right? So maybe something complimentary, like we start selling concrete this year with a really high successful rate because it's kind of tied to the deck, you know? And uh, and it's easy to bid, easy to find, find people that work for us. So it just kind of makes sense, right? So, uh, and then we go into Lincoln. So, so it's not just niche down and stay down there. And when you maximize, you know, what you can in that city, uh, you know, you basically tap the market out and you can either add service or expand your area of influences. So, uh, that's actually so two nuances to this. If you're in a small city, chances are you're not going to be able to just do decks or siding only or vice versa, right? You need to, uh, offer more, more, more services to be, to be able to capture more of the, the market share. Now, if you can't do that, you need to move to a big city. But, uh, but otherwise, I think the advice, the riches in the niches is, uh, is awesome because it give beginners something, only one thing to work for. And then make a big profit because without cash, you can't really grow. You can't really invest in the marketing. Uh, but I have another question to ask you. And this is, uh, this has been a passion of mine because I think, I think that everybody 
in the PL sheet, everybody categorize marketing as an expense, right? But my philosophy for marketing, as long as it brings an ROI, a return on investment, is an investment, is a, an asset that you can continually build, build on. It's, it's, it's intangible force, but, you know, it's, it, it's kind of like one of those things that, uh, if you, people can just flip the mindset of just invest in money in marketing first and then the revenue will come. But I think the general consensus is I need to make money and then I'll invest in marketing and then I'll run that. And then I'll do SEO and then I'll do, you know, uh, I'll wrap my truck and then I'll put the RSI up and then I put the poster and then I'll go down more because I don't have money to do marketing. What, what is your, and be, be, be gentle here. What is your advice for folks that always think of marketing as an expense rather than an investment? What are your advice to them how to get over that hump and, and maybe they won't, but like how to get over that hump that the best investment is in your company, yourself, your marketing, your brand. How, 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 how you educate people like that to get over, get over that, uh, that, uh, negative mindset about marketing. I think if we, that, that's a great question, right? So 100% and, and we get it a lot and, and people ask us all the time, okay, what should I do and how should I do it and all that stuff. So I think like the, I would actually dig one level even deeper right so and that basically comes down to risk mitigation right so it comes down to how risk adverse are you right so because because here's like let's let's talk about you for a second right because you're you're a prime example of this right so when we created the initial plan you came to me hey man i'm making a million bucks i want to make two million this year and this was 2023 right so you said hey i'm making one mil i want to make two mil cool very good if you want to be aggressive about it, you should be spending about 10% of your marketing. So that comes down to a hundred to $200,000 or something like that, right? Yeah, so that's that's it. So sure, let's go. Basically, I trust you, bro, go for it. And I was like, okay, cool, let's make it happen. Like that's the attitude I like, right? So what ended happening is that you hit basically by the end of the year three mil and your whole marketing spend because it's a percentage, it ended up being 3.3%. Right, so we budgeted two hundred thousand dollars for the whole year, which was representative of ten percent of revenue from the from the two mil, and we ended up doing a mil more and spending even less on marketing, right? Because the costs with us are quite fixed, and then basically the only fluctuation is going to come from Google ad spend, Facebook ad spend, and basically all the ad spend that you do beside besides uh, what we help you do, right? So. It goes back to risk, right? So I think you are one of those people that understand the value of marketing. So basically it was a no brainer for you in terms of risk. But I think what trips people up is the risk adversity piece, right? We had another uh, prospect come to us and, you know, like, well, you know, we want a new website and uh, because our current website is bad and we want to rebrand and we have to do these things and, okay, what's your goal? Well, it's, a million dollars, sure, I can help you guys get there. So, you know, that's around a hundred thousand bucks. 
the website is 10K and we add on top of that the SEO services and all of that good stuff and I can help you guys reach that goal. Well, lo and behold, they went with another agency and after more than half a year, they came back. Well, you know, we got screwed by this other agency and we are really sorry that we didn't go with you the first time. So sometimes, you know, you end up and I like this this quote by Brian Diamond, right? Like stepping over dollars to pick up pennies. Like that's what a lot of people do because they try to save money and they go with the wrong partner that is going to offer them, you know, subpar results for low for less money, 100%. But then at the end of the day, you know, uh, you are not getting the results that you want. So I think it's very important to choose uh, a trustworthy marketing partner in this whole game. Right. So I think that's super, super important. And then have some balls, right? So basically increase your risk adverseness, right? And then basically, uh, I like this saying that Seth Godin had, right? So this is if uh, the audience doesn't know who Seth Godin is, basically he wrote like 30 or 40 or 50 books on marketing and just like this marketing guru that's been talking about marketing for the past 40 years. And uh he was saying this, that, you know, whenever you spend on marketing, like imagine that you take a, take the stack of money and you burn it, right? So that is the attitude. It's basically, it's a mindset. It's a mental model that you use when you approach marketing. So you don't freak out, right? Like basically one of the biggest pieces that bites us in the rear with clients is that we start rolling out a strategy and then people freak out when they start spending and they start investing the money that they said that they are willing to invest and they are going to be investing and then they start chickening out. Well, you know, like, I'm not getting the results after, you know, two weeks. I'm not getting the things that I, but, you know, like, we talked about this. Like, there's this timeline on which things are going to happen, right? But with all of the shit that's happening nowadays, we're so primed to get stuff instantly. You know, Amazon, you place the order in the evening, you get it at nine o'clock in the morning. It's at your doorstep. You do this, you get that. Like, you go on Facebook, you scroll, you get the image that you wanted with the stupid cat jumping at the wall uh, or whatever it is, right? So we're so primed to get instant gratification and instant feedback that it becomes very challenging to take on risk and then actually mitigate it for a longer period of time. So if I would to give an advice to people when it comes to, to actually investing in their marketing or, or doing this is like one, find a trustworthy partner. Right? Find somebody that has your best interest at heart. Doesn't have to be us, could be whoever you want and whoever you think is the most trustworthy person in the in the space. And you usually get that by asking for uh for other people, what results they did for other people. You can ask them about, you know, what they think and how would they look at your business and how they would create a strategy for that one and kind of how they see that growth. And, and, and I, I believe that people are smart. I believe that contractors are smart and they can figure it out. Like we can all read through those. I will get to number one on Google emails, right? Like I think we can all three see through that bullshit. So uh, it's, um, yeah. So have a good partner, be willing to invest the money and uh, take on that risk and take it on as a thing. Like the other thing, it's very important for your investment not to be kind of the the last money that you have right like it's it's important to be mentally in a great place if you go into survival mindset and you are committed to your marketing with let's say $30,000 for the year 
you are going to be in a very bad mental place because you will always worry. You will always, you will not be able to perform. Like you just freeze up, right? Because uh, fight and flight starts to kick in, right? You start going into the basic needs of shelter, survival, all of those things, food, right? Like uh, very hard to think about creating and working on your business when you're hungry and your stomach is growling, right? So it's very important to to be able to really commit that money. But here's the thing, right? Here's the opposite side of the spectrum. People are already willing to commit to stupid things, right? They buy the bloody newest truck. They buy the newest iPhone. They buy the newest shiny thing so they can, you know, keep up with the Joneses or whoever everybody's trying to keep up with. But here's the thing, like the battle is inside. The battle is with yourself, right? So if you can delay the gratification of getting yourself that, you know, new Corvette set one or whatever the hell it is, you know, or getting the latest uh, Ford truck or whatever, whatever is on your bucket list. Uh, like, how old was your truck? Like, and, and why didn't change it for two years, right? You literally didn't buy a new truck, like you didn't need it and you had the money to buy it, right? It's a thousand bucks or whatever the hell it is a month or even less than that, right? But you didn't do it, right? It was a way more worthy investment to take that money. And it was a risk, right? You took that money and you put it into your marketing, right? So I think these are kind of the things that will make you stand apart from your competitors, right? That is, that is the thing that bites people in the ass, right? And then, then I think the last piece of it is how willing you are to actually succeed. How willing are you to put in the work? So instead of just, you know, being on social and doing that thing, like grinding it out with your marketing partner, right? So we ask of our contractors that we we work with, hey, you know, upload photos on a constant to your Google business profile. Do your best to get reviews, especially because, you know, like if it would be a plumber or an HVAC business or a roofer or whatnot, cool, you can use a tool like Nice Job or whatever it is out there to automatically collect reviews. But if you're doing a remodel for 80,000, if you're giving a deck for 40,000 bucks, like stop with the automation bullshit, like be a human, right? Like interact with your prospect and ask for the review as a human that has been in that home for several weeks, right? Especially in the remodeling space, right? You are literally there in their home for two, three months. Like you should have a relationship built at that point already with the homeowner, such a great relationship that they are going to leave you a raving review when you ask for it. They're not going to second guess if they're going to send you a review or not. So, yeah, long story short, uh, basically, you have to take on the risk, right? You have to be willing to, to embrace the plan and the strategy and go with it for the time that it has been defined for. And, yeah, willing to spend the money. And... I'm not really sure what if I forgot anything, but as a short recap of, of that, right? So Eddie, man, you're well-acknowledged. You're smart, 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 smart dude, man. I, I appreciate you going on here and uh, giving back to the community that, uh, that are our listener. Uh, so uh, with that, uh, how do people find you? If, if they want to have, uh, you know, you look into their marketing, how, 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 how do people get a hold of you, man? 
So either they can fill out the form on our website on contractingempire.com or just visit me, find me on Facebook, Edward Boca is the name, or marketing for contractors. You can even type in marketing for contractors and my name is going to pop up. So <laughs> on Facebook. So those are like two quick ways in which you can reach me and we can uh, we can kind of look a little bit at, at your initial business and see kind of where you are because it's going to be a completely different rollout depending on the revenue goals that you have, on the revenue that you're currently at, your risk adversity, and all of those things. We take everything into account to actually come up with a sustainable plan for you for the whole year so you can actually kill it with your marketing. All right, man. Hey, I'm excited for our partnership going into 2024. And uh, we, we're excited, uh, you know, to have your expertise come in and uh, and rock for us. And thank you again, Eddie, uh, for coming on. Get business, do business, get paid, where we show you how to make money. I appreciate you, brother.